Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Kirk Gray. And this is Fred Shanklberg. And I mentioned a topic to Kirk, and he started laughing and laughing. We couldn't hit record for four minutes. Right. And Fred says, let's talk about assumptions uh, in the calculation, reliability calculation, or just whatever you're doing. Oh, yeah. Assumptions you make before you do this. And the assumptions are that everything's good. Be just like you tested it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the most common one is you go in and you <laughs> and you've heard it so many times as well. If we just assume the product is good, then it must be good, right? And, and yeah. I, and I was trying to explain to this person that that you know the reality of the world is like gravity. If you assume there's no gravity when you walk off the porch of your house, gravity will remind you that that it's still there, whether or not you believe it or not. <laughs> You know, and if we assume, and I've had a person tell me this, this is a, a program director for a new product or a product, you know, program manager. Yeah. And it says, well, we're assuming that we're going to achieve the reliability we need. I says, well, you, you can assume all you want. How do you know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have, or how are you going to check that? Uh, you know, or uh, what's your basis for making that assumption? And I've run into it. Well, we're assuming it's in the flat part of the curve. Therefore, it always is. And I, you know. The product really doesn't care what you assume. It is going to behave the way it's going to behave based on its physics and chemistry and the software right. and where the electrons are heading today. And, right. you know, right. it's, it's going to do what it's going to do. But we do make a lot of assumptions all the time and we simplify stuff we, right. like finite element analysis. You know, they're right. getting better and better and better. So we don't have to simplify it as much. But remember, finite element, element analysis puts a mesh, a grid and each of those nodes of the net of the mesh is where we yeah. do the calculation. The area right. between those points, we don't do any calculation. So we're assuming no. it's close enough. Right. And it's just it, it's just wild, you know, the assumption that, oh, they'll never use it that way. Yeah. Or it'll never be in that environment. Or all this other just crap. It's just crap. And it reminds me of the the, the reason I put in the very first of my book, Next Generation Halt and Hass. They put, I put, I bought, and it was a cartoon by the uh, uh, unfortunate Scott Adams made some mistakes recently and no, no longer uh, on every cubicle maybe in most engineering companies. But he had a cartoon, and it was just perfect for this book. Can you get the boss, the point of here, boss says, can you get me some failure estimates for our next product, next generation product? And Dilbert says, I can if you like numbers that are based on hallucinated assumptions. <laughs> and the point here, boss, says, I kind of do. Yeah, that'll and work for Dilbert me. Says, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we have an understanding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way I've got to every boss. You know, it's like, just give me some numbers. And he says, well, you know, okay, I'll make up some. Well, that'll do. That'll you do. Know. That's good enough for okay. me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good enough. I know. Nobody's going to check your hallucinated assumptions. And nobody's going to check your assumptions about, you know, they go into these environments, you know. Uh, I mean, especially in, in halt testing and everything, you know, it's never going to see that end-use environment. You're right. It's it, not. It's not supposed to. Let's <laughs> not worry about it's that. It's not supposed to. It never was. We're <laughs> yeah. trying to do something different. We're you trying know? to you learn something are... here. Go ahead. Go away. Don't yeah, bother me. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, it'll never do that. Yes, it will. Over time, things will accumulate. It's called cumulative fatigue. Have you ever heard of it? You know, and you don't know where the weak spots are. You can't make the assumptions that these equations are applicable to this particular physical structure, this type of solder, this this uh, weighting, the masses on this board, the vibration uh, modes in this board, and all the other things that go on. I mean, I, you know, that's why, Fred, I just I, I rail against prediction. Just all because well, the prediction's one of them. Some- yeah, prediction's one part of it. But I, I was thinking more of, and you've seen it, is the a, a part goes bad and now you get a bunch of field failures and you get all the supplier once you do some failure analysis and figure it's their right. component and they right. ch- they change something in it and it goes, oh, right. we, we assumed you wouldn't notice. Right. I mean, it's like same a form, fit, and function. We assumed it's the same. You wouldn't notice. Right. It's not, not material to you. We didn't have to report it. Right. it just, and I know. remember one, one guy says, Oh, they would never send us bad parts. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, these parts were blown up. You know, this is the Varactor diode that I've always talked about. Dude, these parts were blown up somewhere on the testing before, long before they got to the to the OEM to, to put in. You know, it's Toshiba. They made a billion, a trillion, kabillion di- diodes on yeah. reels, you know. And... For them to be worried about a 50 or 100 diodes or a reel of diodes that got damaged with ESD during testing or somebody setting up the test configure, you know, and for this boss, this man, engineering guy, say, oh, they would never send us some bad parts. I'm going, wow, that's a pretty broad assumption, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's a very, very false assumption on my part. Well, there's, you- there's the... They wouldn't knowingly send you bad parts. No, they wouldn't knowingly do it. Although there are, there are some organizations that will. <laughs> they will. Because yeah. um, they assume that they'll, you won't notice or it'll be good right. enough. Or it, it'll, it'll be good enough. It'll fit within their, within you know your usage spec or whatever yeah. you know it's Not about. even know what it is, but they'll assume it's okay. It won't matter. Um, no, I've had where they... The other part it comes into, I mean, there's so many places we make assumptions and you've mm-hmm. been into these as you get a, you're doing a failure analysis, you get mm-hmm. the team together and mm-hmm. you're like, this is what we, symptoms we're seeing. This is what the issue is. There's why it's important. You know, we stopped production or we did this yeah. or that or the other thing. All right. So what do you think it is? Let's brainstorm this. And somebody mentions, well, I bet you it's this. And everybody leaves the room and goes, assumes that's it, and then we're done. And okay, Bill solved it. All right, we're done. No, no, before we go hey, make a we, bunch of changes here, let's let's uh, let's, let's check uh, go, the data here. Yeah, let's go try that. Let's go see what see if we can find that. You right. know, or re- reproduce it. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a fundamental. Right. But in, in data analysis, uh, I know you love statistics, but there's so many times we go. Well, of course, that's the number. I put it in my calculator and it says, well, <laughs> you know, there's really, really difficult to predict that it's going to have a negative six years life. <laughs> you, know, you might want to check your math. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it came it out of dead. the computer. That was dead six years before we built it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and, I was, and I actually saw that and, and it was in a, in a, and it was a legal case I was involved in and they, the, my, Part of my role was checking the 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 calculations they were doing, the the results they were getting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, you just assume that it's it's got. I don't remember the actual numbers, but it's got a negative failure time to failure. That is really hard to do, and I had to talk long and hard to explain that to this lawyer that you know that's really not possible. 
know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not mathematically, it works just fine. If you put in the wrong numbers, if you fat finger the calculations or whatever, it's a, yeah, no, but reality doesn't do that. We start at zero and go forward. Yeah. You know, we don't go negative. Well, Fred, you know, I've done the 217 calculations for one company because they said, oh, we really need this. And I, and then I gave them the numbers. I said, oh, that MTBF is way too high. And I go, well, what? You <laughs> You want me to recalculate it at a different yeah, number? I, what number do you yeah, want? Yeah, <laughs> Let me show you this quality, cartoon. <laughs> look, I, can, I can use these quality factors here, you know, and make it really, worse. oh, man, I can make it much worse. You know, yeah. what quality factor you want me to, you know, and so I did. I just threw in a quality factor at three or two or whatever it was that fudge factor as you call it you know you call it but anyway it was it's all absurd and ridiculous and and i you know again without anybody uh having a history or knowledge of of failure modes and and mechanisms in products uh and actually does you know does uh understand that I mean, it's just like when I was in storage tech and the guys, there was a whole department that did reliability uh, predictions. And I was in the reliability department also, but it was testing. And they never came over. And they never talked about whether their correlations of their predictions ever came up. And then we had a committee and I got, uh, you know, $100 American Express gift certificate. But it came up with this. They added 30,000, uh, well, 30 other uh, fudge factors to the calculations. Yeah, it just even uh, let's just way overfit this thing just, so we so, get whatever number we want. And, and the fundamental question at that point, when that committee uh, that was organized with design engineer and everything else, with the reliability uh, prediction group, uh, Rick, I think his name was, and I remember him well. Um, he never explained to me. I said, "Where are you getting the uh, basis for your calculations?" Oh. Uh, industry standard uh, uh, books, you know, uh, the uh, um, generally uh, accepted uh, industry standards. Uh, oh, really? W what are those? And what are you know? He, he was just, and, and then the fact that they organized a committee because one of the uh, the head of uh, I think engineering or design or he was way up in the uh, executive branch. He said, "I want to. I organized this committee because I want to know that." why our predictions are not correlating with the field failure rates that we're actually seeing. <laughs> There's an assumption so, there that if, that if they do we correlate, for, they don't. Yeah. No. And <laughs> they we never met, will. <laughs> we met for several months and everybody was brainstorming, well, design maturity, you know, and I'm going, how are you going to measure that? You know, you guys are just coming up with all kinds of, and we still would so, not go in and look at what was causing historically failures in the products when they came back from the field. Yeah. What was the failure analysis showing? They wouldn't do that. And I just never understood. I couldn't. I, it just frustrated me to unbelievable that nobody will look at the past because it's so maybe ugly. It's somebody's fault. Yeah. Somebody do well, something. Well, it's the culture. You've run into that before. You know that how it goes. Mm -hmm. Now, one place is a counterexample to the always, you know, people just doing predictions and then fudging it around and assuming that it's useful. Um, is one group I was it was at, I was at Hewlett Packard and 
I got a call and they said, could you do a prediction for us? And I've never done one before. And we happen to, ha I happen to have a, a trial software of it. I had no. sent it out to the community. No. We had an email list. Hey, I got this. Anybody know how to use it? And I got a free trial and I, you know, just want to play with it. And this one guy called and says, good timing. Uh, we have a customer that requires as a, element of the contract for for them to buy it from us is that we have to send them a prediction a parts comp prediction right. for our product yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and i said okay well and they sent me over the bill of material and i went and i got about halfway through it the you know just started loading it in calculating you know figuring out the failure rates for each of these components and and i went down to my boss and said well this is really stupid he goes yeah this <laughs> can't agree argue with that and yeah. um and I finished it off and gave him a number, and it, mm -hmm. it, it had nothing to do with whatever with with. No, the, right, sure. And, and, and this company, this, this group, they made a tape drive, right? Yeah. And they knew that the little glass glass fret that over was protecting the sensor that read and wrote to the magnetic right. strip, right, uh, would wear. And when that dimension right. got too close, then it didn't work yeah. anymore. And right. and so, and they knew for every foot. Of tape that went over it, how much that dimension changed, and so they knew if they ran right. ten thousand feet, it would right. do this much, and so on. And they right. knew everything else was in the noise of causing right. failures, right? Right. And they did great stuff in process control, and they had true physics of failure model. They had it just beautiful stuff. Right. This was a wear out failure, Fred, and that's understandable. That was something you could calculate. It was a physical. Well, I know, and they did. Material. But they did, okay. and they also knew on their field history and that's field data and everything else, all the failure analysis they did on their units. That it was an expensive unit, and they would get these things back, and they would root cause to to the component level. All the other components combined was like a fraction of the total failures they saw in the right. field. Right. It was they wore they out. And so if people didn't change that component in the recommended maintenance thing, you know, after 20 right. million feet, you got to replace right. that thing. Right. And they didn't, and it would fail. And then they'd say, you're supposed to replace it. <laughs> you know? right. And so and here comes a procurement guy that was assuming that in the contract, we require a prediction because then we know you're doing reliability. And I'm like, uh, yeah. really? Well, I talked to the guy. He says, well, that's a, how do we know you didn't do any, how did we know you did anything for reliability? I said, they gave you this whole paper about this dominant mechanism and, and how it correlates to their field data. And uh, they gave you everything in a while. I, I don't understand that stuff. There's too many assumptions. Yeah. I want a prediction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what? You know why? You know why is it quite questioning the validity of anything? Because he does. He's he doesn't. He's not looking at the background information. But you had a valid. That was a very well done wear out mechanism, like tires. Yep. Although the wear out is going to be at a different rate depending on the tape. We had the same thing at Storage Tech. Mm -hmm. We had big tape drives, huge, you know, cartridge tape drives, and. And reel to reel at one time, and uh, they they did have the glass head uh, that read the tape, read right on it. Uh, tape actually wrote phys physically and wore it down, yeah. and it would thin out the glass, just like a tire is worn down by different 
uh, by surfaces. And in, but in the in the storage systems like that, we yeah. knew the pressure, you know, to within a pretty right. tight tolerance because we had to get the speed and the and the and how intimate it was to that frit just for it to work. Right. You if you had a real precision to it, you'd get the manufacturer of the tape. The different tape manufacturers and how you know they're considering their roughness of the yep. surface of their tape and the other things would be variables in that within certain parameters but yeah in general you'd get a, a general number that was probably fairly accurate to some percentage and so that was the dominant wear out management and that's where like i say with mechanics gears things that are actually consumable materials are a valid element to be analyzed and considered but the randomness, but the the life of solid state electronics is longer than most technological obsolescence oh, yeah. periods. Those, those, I bet you and the so electronics they, to those got, old right. those old tape drives, the electronics is probably still humming away. It, yeah, you know they can't get the fritz right. anymore. To, to, no, no, no. Read right heads. Right, and so they keep you know it's like us chasing. I think we talked about it last time, trying to upgrade our media every time we go from uh, D, VHS to. To CDs to, or DVDs, and now to just digital files, and oh. trying to chase that was just I amazing. A, it, I saw an interesting graphic. It was on LinkedIn. It was kind of the the different media, and it started out with the wax drum rolls way back in the late eighteen hundreds, <laughs> yeah. kind of Edison, the, Edison Edison type stuff. And then it, right. you know, there was like so many sales and stuff like that, and it was just a small little blip. And then. Um, I think the real ad, ad, adventure went, there was records, right, at some point. Yeah. And then uh, cassette decks kind right. of took over for a while. And then right. CDs, and then I think there was 8-tracks right. had a little life there. My dad bought a bunch of those at one point. 8-track uh, was the worst idea in the world. But, right yeah. But we, so had them. we had them. And, yeah, and then I had there was, them. you know, uh, a video discs, and then there was a bunch of others. And then the iPhone, or like streaming. Yeah. It just... There's so it was a combination of that. There's so many people could publish the streaming easily. You didn't need a right. studio to go press right. records or right. or CDs or anything like that. Right. So it became so much more music, and so much more music was being played and streamed, and so on. It was just mm -hmm. the graph just totally swamped it all. And I'm like, what in the world could they do next? And but I thought that with the cassette tape. Um, yeah. Well, but the. The, the safe assumption here, get back to our topic, is that things will change. And, right. and going to the idea that what you're talking about, and you talk about it a lot, is that the electronics will probably become obsolete before they fail. Um, or if, they wear now, you're making out. an assumption before there. Before they wear out. They wear out. You're making an assumption there that our vendors keep sending us good parts. That it's, right. And I don't know how many times I heard, well, we trust our manufacturer to build it correctly. No. Like, I would, uh, let's not do that. <laughs> Might we check? <laughs> I would say if everything's nominally built, you see, I, 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 do con I do qualify what I'm saying, and that is if everything's nominally built and there's no – latent defects put into the product, the wear-out modes are very uh, orders of magnitude out beyond its technological obsolescence. The on-off switch will fail first, you know, if that's the only and, mechanical and right. thing on it. The mechanical the, things will fail long before any kind of solid-state uh, semiconductor chip uh, wears out internally. Or has we, wear we, out you, into you keep saying that, though, Kirk, and, and it's based on your qualifications. And what I've run Based into is... Based on nominally manufactured units. I know, I know, I know, I know. But the problem is there's so many people just 
assume that they're going to be built correctly, that we're not going to have infant mortality problems and we're not going to have bad components. We're not going to have mismanufactured well, stuff. Assume that. We assume that, but then they really that. occur. And then we're well, all surprised. Really and they randomly occur. And, all it, and then and people all are surprised that their assumption's not true. And it's like, you know, reality is, you know, reality. Get over <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. So this is so this is where, you know, the, the, the function of, of, as we've talked about in the past, prediction for those mechanisms that are well documented, like the tape, tape head drive, yeah. uh, tight gear. Pads. Brake yeah. pads on your car, uh, different things like that that actually are consumable materials. Um, right now, it's lithium-ion batteries where they do have a limited number of charge and recharge yeah. cycles, yeah. and they're part of air, almost everything, including vehicles, yeah. cars, and all that. So those are critical um, predictions that need to be uh, continually monitored as the technology changes, and they're certainly trying to extend all those things. It's Especially lithium-ion batteries, since they become a major component of electric vehicles. So, uh, you know, I just uh, I'm always uh, um, frustrated by that, and I have always been. And I, you know, tried to change. I tried to do my best to change this attitude. I think it was funny when I listened to you and Chris talk in your last couple. Uh, I don't know when you recorded them, but Chris and you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> about the uh, trying to change, trying to change leadership, trying to be the change agent. Oh, I yeah, think. that was the episode running, 881. Running. Can you change an organization? <laughs> yeah, go run into the wall. Well, yeah, but you might die doing that. <laughs> yeah. like, it didn't say it was easy. Of, it you're didn't say yeah, you'd be constantly thrown out of the company. Oh, no, no. Oh, that is not – that is – Patently not true. I've, I've actually worked with a number of organizations and made systemic changes at, even to this day, they, they are still making progress and, and continuing to improve and doing great stuff. As, and some have backtracked have and, yeah, and some have backtracked and done other stuff. But even as an employee, I've stood up and said, you know, we got to change this and it got changed. And the, okay. the classic example is we were, we proposed that they change the bonus structure for the procurement organization. So oh. they don't get rewarded by the 10% cost reduction year after year. And that they added reliability performance to that. And all of okay. a sudden they weren't so keen on buying the cheapest part every day. Well, I, I do think maybe I did some changes in Dell uh, with the uh, testing approach and mm -hmm. that, I'm trusting. I have no idea. I can't go back and look into it. I don't know where they are now in testing. Yeah. But I'm trusting some of what I went over to China and taught uh, is still in practice. I know up at uh, right now, my first company as a consultant, which did the 95% reduction in, in warranty returns on our first product that went through Halt and then Hass. Uh, they're actually looking for a senior reliability manager up there in uh, Fort Collins. Uh, and, you know, I think, wow, I could go back and help them. See, I'd be interesting to see what they've done with yeah. what I taught them 20 years ago. Yeah. And if they're still practicing it because nobody's there uh, that was when I was there. But it, it's, it's, yes, sometimes, in fact, you know, incremental change does happen. If you talk to management, some people you influence – and of course, in our world, they most you know they move around a lot. The people, if I look at uh, their resumes, they you know usually if they've if they've uh, had 
uh, and I kind of think it's advantage to them to be exposed to different companies and different organizations uh, to see, you know, have a, a good rounded view of different manufacturing companies and different engineering companies. Um, but uh, because of that, I think that, uh, you know, they may make influences in different places. And some of my companies that I work for don't exist anymore. They were oh, yeah. bought up, storage tech. Uh, I well, just that, that happens a lot, yeah. and you know, happens I a think lot. The, I think the as a wrap up here is the one safe assumption is things will change. They might get better, <laughs> they might not. And I, and but yeah. just just wishing something into existence really is a tough one <laughs> to 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 make happen because it's, but it's it's one of those things that well yeah, we, we all we all hope for a, a very. You know, it's just kind of like being optimistic about the future, Fred, well, I th guess. That's different than assuming the future will be great. Just assuming it will and then taking action that it re that relies on that occurring. It's like assuming the product will be just fine and not checking that assumption at all, all the way through the process. So get rid of quality, well, get rid of reliability, get rid of anybody <laughs> that asks any questions. Right. All failures and prototypes are just waved off. It's just a manufacturing defect in the protos. We rush right. those. It's right. one off. You know, you've one heard off. all of those things. Oh, sure. And then sure. the product flops in the field and everybody's like, why doesn't it work? Because well, we assumed it would. Okay. And a lot of those people are gone yeah. before that flop. They don't get a people. they don't get a chance to make it work. They know it. They know it was crap, and then yeah. they go leave the company. You know. Well, I'm assuming that you and I get to stay back. Uh, this podcast will continue. We're almost at 900 episodes. I think this one's going to be eight. Boy, what are you going to? Uh, you know, I think if you get to a thousand, that'll be something. Yeah. No. I, I mean, well. I think you will, Fred. I, I just we will. Just we'll assume we will. It will happen. <laughs> we'll assume. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So if you're listen, right. if you're listening to this and, and assume that we're getting close to the end of the show, yeah, you're right. Um <laughs> so this is the time when I always ask, or almost always I've asked, you know, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. You know, what assumptions have you've made that have worked out just fine and others that haven't? And how do you tell the difference? Uh, and that would be interesting. Now, that might be a whole interesting podcast in itself. Or if you got a question on this or other topics or other shows, you know, let us know. Kirk and I are, it's a, you can find us over at ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. A couple of ways to get in touch with us there. You can also get a hold of Kirk and I and the other hosts of the show through LinkedIn or our about pages. And as you know, it's not an assumption as we do enjoy hearing from you. And we, and a lot of like, even this one came out of a conversation I had with with somebody that does listen to the show. So it's, you can become part of the show by getting in touch and let us know what's on your mind. Uh, so with that, Kirk, I think we can wrap this one up and see what else we okay, can talk Fred. about. Okay, Fred. All right, we'll talk to you soon then. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.